0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Phineas Club. This is a show where we get people from different parts of the world, different cultures and backgrounds to get together and talk about what's happening in the world. Uh, But what we're going to be doing today is a little bit different. We're going to do a special on what's happening when you are isolated socially for a uh, long time and uh, hopefully how to help cope with uh, issues that might crop up. And for those of you who uh, do experience those, it might be helpful, I hope. My name is Patrick Beja, and I'm very glad to be welcoming back to the show, Wendy Dunford. Uh, How's it going, Wendy?
1: Good, hi. Hey. Doing okay. <laughs> I'm in the same boat as everyone, so I don't know. Am I good? I don't know. I'm just going to say it. I'm good. We,
0: do, we don't know anything, so let's, pre- uh, <laughs> let's assume we're good. Uh, yeah. So we did a, uh, an episode about uh, toxic relationships last month, and that uh, was uh, pretty popular. I don't know if I can say popular for a heavy topic like that, but people seem to be interested. So I know this is a little bit of a departure from the usual format of the show. Even when we do specials, it's usually about, understanding uh, someone from a different background and this is about situations so hopefully it's interesting to you all if it isn't uh, please let me know if you'd uh, rather we didn't delve into these kinds of topics let me know and especially if you're uh, supporting the show because of course if you're uh, giving your hard-earned money for uh, the show then uh, if you don't if you'd rather have something else I'm I'm definitely listening so uh, oh and by the way if you do enjoy the show uh, uh, please consider uh, giving us your hard-earned money. It's at patreoncom slash club The link is in the show notes, and thank you a million to those who already do. Um, yeah, so you're doing well. So um, I guess I, I wanted to start with that. How's it going? And how's uh, do you call it confinement in in the US? I guess it's more no, shelter. No, home.
1: is that what you're calling it? Yeah, it's it? it's the
0: French term. And oh. I, I'm kind of uh, transliterate, transa- translating it a, a little bit directly. Um, Got it.
1: Okay.
0: So it's shelter awful. at home. <laughs> yeah, just,
1: so shelter in place is a, uh, a term that actually is has some more scary uh, connotation than you might think. In, and of course, it's pretty particular to the United States, which is uh, a term we use when there's an active shooter.
0: Oh, um, wow. Okay. So,
1: yeah. So we have lingo around what you do when someone is shooting up a neighborhood or a school or, you know, something horrible like that. And shelter in place is is one of those terms of like, don't don't leave your house, because when you leave your house, you're now putting yourself in greater danger. So that's been the term a lot of different states have used. And um, but the reality is, uh, some states have decided that it's because it's not the same thing in some ways. So they've changed the term to stay at home or stay at home or shelter and play. Uh, I forgot what the other ones are, but they're basically just like, stay home. (laughs) I mean, they're trying to brand it, you know, so you feel a Mm. little better about it, you know. But uh, that's essentially what it is. We've been on that for at least three weeks now. Uh, Uh. officially like really only leave for emergency situations or for necessities that's been about a week and a half um but we were we've been home for about a month total with spring break and kids and stuff so you know it's it's been a while and I realized the other day my kids have not seen their friends faces in a month that's a long Mm. time to connect with the people you care about, and I. My job is online, so I get to see a lot of my f- people and my face. It's very similar to what I've always done, which, um, so not a huge adjustment that way. However, there's more to this, and we're gonna get into all of that. All right. It's not as simple as oh, I work on a computer, so I'm fine. There's <laughs> well, there's biology going on.
0: It's it's a little bit. I mean, I think for me, um, I think a lot of our. Uh, Peers have uh, more experience with social isolation than other peer groups, I, I suppose, yeah. because we're uh, known for being a little bit uh, antisocial. Which is not, you know, it's not like we're hiding in our caves, uh, our caves right. forever, but. We're used to, if we're on our own, we can entertain ourselves and we have uh, hobbies that don't necessitate uh, to go out and party and go to bars, even though many of us still do. Um, I guess we can manage, I think, a little bit more if we're um, asked to stay home because we know a little bit more what to do. But as you said, I'm sure there's biology involved and it doesn't mean we're all fine. But for me... I'm really, it changes very little and I'm not in a big city as people know I live in the middle of the forest in Finland and of course there's a little bit of change as well because I don't go out and to restaurants and stores and stuff like that. But I'm still in the middle of the forest, so I can go out, go for a walk, which I don't because I'm working twice as much as I usually do, strangely. Um, But the only difference is uh, the kid is home. So, And even for that, we have four of us at home uh, on top of the child, which means we can uh, split the uh, child-carrying duties. So I really shouldn't complain. It's still starting to feel like... uh, I wouldn't mind it ended fairly s- I wouldn't mind it ending fairly soon. It's been okay. almost 5 weeks for us here in Finland. Oh wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: And, and that's relatively strict. Like we literally we can go out of the house of course, uh because it's the forest in front of the house, but we like go shopping once a week and that's it uh, almost. Yeah. So Yeah. But Yeah, and um, so
1: so well let's get into what it sort of does to us and I think uh you know I I like to think of, you know, your listening audience and even me, even though I'm maybe I'm not kind of in the gaming community necessarily, but so much of my work is online and so much of uh, like I work from home. So I have a lot of training and so do you and so do your your listeners. The training of, you know, used to the same four walls, right? There's some some elements of just like I'm comfortable here and I know where etc. Right. So that, that means you kind of have an advantage on one hand for this. But the thing that no one's prepared for and and some who, you know, their their jobs is to travel and work with people face to face all over the place or, or be in large groups all the time. Like for those folks, this is a shock to the system to really, you know, the thing they probably craved all the time was like, oh, I just love to be home and relax. Well, now we, we have five <laughs> weeks of being home and relaxing. And the key there is that it's not all that relaxing. So what I wanted mm. to talk about I feel today, like,
0: maybe... I, I feel like in the beginning, in the first week or two, it was like everyone was saying, "Oh, we're going to have so much time, which yeah. turned out maybe for people who don't have kids, that might be the case, but no, not others, which right. is especially <laughs> hard for those who have kids. Um, but even even for other people, I feel like in the past week or two, people have started saying, I'm actually pretty stressed. I might have a little bit more time, but it's not. So there's a very clear change, empirical evidence. But in my experience, uh, people have changed their attitude a little bit. Like it's, yeah, we have to do it, but it's not like, all right, we're going to do that. Try to, you know, yeah.
1: It's not a vacation anymore, or even in theory, because now we've proven it's it's
0: yeah. It it never was. It felt like it might be in some respects, but it's ending ending up not to really be a a vacation for anyone.
1: And you run out of closets to clean after some point. You're like, (laughs) all right, what else do I do here? I mean, I'll tell you the busiest places. So it it's non essential or essential sort of stores are open, and they have deemed hardware stores essential because buildings still is continuing in sort of a commercial sense, I, I understand, but it's for people at home to paint their walls, (laughs) to redo (laughs) stuff because they, they're just staring at them all the time. And, you know, so there is something to be said for, you know, what you, what you was going on in your brain before quarantining, which is, you know, I'm going to use that word as the thing we're all doing. We're quarantining is interesting how that is playing out now. So if you think about the setting you all go home, right? Everyone has mm. to go to where they live. And and we're not going to maybe spend any time on those people because Finland, you don't necessarily have any homeless. We do in the United States quite a bit. So there's a lot of challenges we're facing with the underprivileged and underserved populations in our country, because it's very clear our billionaires can just go onto their yachts, right? And mm. the homeless have to somehow find a place to shelter. And then you know, a virus spreads in those kinds of circumstances just so easily. So everyone who's working with any kinds of situations like that are just stressed to the max to try to, um, you know, calm those systems. Also, the prison system is another example of that. Um, Those close quarters and they're all in lockdown. I mean, it's just it's it's a mess. So you've got each like, sector having its own challenges um, a lot of people experiencing this thing where I'm busier than I've ever been in my life um, because I have four kids at home in school. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have literally six computers running on full speed all day long, everyone trying to learn. I mean, it's a, an, it's a mess. Plus, do, both of us, my husband and I, working from home, uh, plus we got this dog that is a godsend because it makes us walk and get outside all the time but also is annoying. And so we have this just like so much chaos, whereas – my cute neighbors are just, you know, in their fifties or sixties and their kids are grown and they're just alone. I have nothing to do. And I just want to borrow their boredness. Like, give me, give me an hour of your boredness. Right. So we're in such different places, but the thing that's collective and common amongst everyone and everyone again, maybe dealing with it slightly differently, but is anxiety or fear. Right. I mean, we're all, we're all doing this because we need to, to, flatten the curve and, you know, help hospitals handle the people coming and, you know, all of the there's good big motives for doing it. Um, but then what ends up happening is, you know, you're home, you watch a little too much of the news. In fact, I was gonna ask you, what's your do you do any panic scrolling is what we call it, right? Where you're
0: you know just it's funny. Article? I, I was thinking about whether or not I was afraid because you were saying there's the fear and I know that many many people do experience it and it seems like there's a little bit more of a of a hectic feeling in the U.S. from what I'm gathering from here but in my specific case I am very much not afraid and it might be because I don't you know I don't really I don't have a TV I don't watch TV I have a TV that's only connected to the Apple TV, so I don't really watch the news, essentially, is what I'm getting at. I, I usually browse the news, you know, Google News in the morning when I wake up, and that's about it, and I kind of know what to expect, and I kind of know the the way out, which is just stay the F home, and at some point, it will subside. And so, all, all that is a long way of saying, I'm not really experiencing that fear, Um and I think it's because I don't watch the news that
1: and it absolutely absolutely because and and this is everyone has a different way of feeling control when they mm-hmm. feel out of control, right, and I mean I, I have to assume that living in the forest in Finland has to feel like a pretty safe, oh yeah, bet <laughs> yeah, I mean. And, There is is the the fear,
0: (laughs) there is the, the, the worry of what the hell's going to happen with Russia, which is a very specific, uh, uh, worry that, that Finns and people along the border, the Russian borders, uh, have, but that's more of a, you know, it's, it's more of a midterm issue. Okay. So take that
1: actually as like that, that may be your specific thing. It's kind of a little far out, but you don't really know. And you're, you know. (laughs) And, and an imagine you gave a lot of a, attention and energy to it because you were bored and, right. you, and you dove deep into that. I mean, you could really scare yourself pretty good. Mm. Um, and, and so everyone has some version of this, right? So maybe it's that you live in Finland and there's Russia or, I, you know, I, I recently moved from Sweden and they have all their kids still going to school. And I have this, fear for them from far away. Like you guys, I don't know if that's a good idea, (laughs) you know? So they, they have their own concerns. Like the whole entire world has stopped school, but them and are they being stupid? What, you know? So, so they have their own issue in the, in the United States, there's always lots of challenges. Of course, our medical healthcare system is good when you can pay for it. And there are people who are going to have major financial jump. I mean, we also have a leader who, Whoa, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of scary stuff that can happen. So you're watching the news and you're taking that in. And, and what I want to get into a little bit is just what our brain does and what our brain needs. Um, and what our brain does is sometimes to feel control. It tries to get more and more information. Right. And so that's why people will often deep dive into the news and almost I call it panic scrolling because they can't they can't stop. I don't know, maybe you've done that with Twitter before where you're just like keep going and suddenly an hour's mm. gone by and you went, "Oh, I did not mean to do this for <laughs> this long." Yeah. Now, if you do that with frightening information about a virus that is crazy effective at doing its job. This thing is astounding when you, you know, when you study it in a horrifying way, you can just get more and more freaked out. And it very much is on a very deep level. It isn't simply oh, that's freaky. Or, you know, and maybe the economy is the place that you get really nervous. So you start to sort of really pay attention to what happens economically and the fear of what will happen and et cetera, et cetera. So you, you may find your angle of how you're handling uh, the lack of control with what you you consume. Um, but you're right. And you're one of the benefits you have found is one of the things I would suggest is that, Finding some limits within the that usage, I think a lot of people maybe are are turning to social media more and more for social connection. Um, but that's a mixed bag, right? If you're actually connecting or if you are just reading your crazy uncle's conspiracy theory about <laughs> you know, so like, is that actually helping you or is it potentially harming you?
0: How, so how do you stop doing the thing that is harming you? Because it feels like some kind of addiction sometimes where even the news, you, you just keep watching because you feel you need to be informed when in reality even if you know it you know you you're not getting more informed you're just watching the stuff that you watched two hours ago and it's just repeating and increasing your stress and it feels like maybe this applies to more than just uh, uh, a yeah. shelter in place situations like it's general life but it's especially problematic now how do you even stop maybe i'm jumping the gun on your uh,
1: no, no 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 that's a really great question well let me back up just a little with let me explain what is happening in Mm. your body so that then we talk about why you need to stop because your motive to stop doing something is really important, right? Because if it's just like, oh, I should probably not do that or my friend said that's not good for me. Those are not motivating reasons to stop something. Um, But there is a really highly motivated reason if you can tap into it. So, So let's first talk about what happens to your body. So when you are exposed to something negative, traumatic, scary. I mean, some of the stories coming out about how people are dying alone. um, You know, we heard a bunch of the stories coming out of Italy with respirators being rationed and, you you know, like all of that scary, like you have to decide who's going to die or live because there wasn't enough respirators. You know, we had a bit of like, oh, wow, that's Italy. Well, then it came to New York and New York is, you know, they're handling it fairly well, but we're still we do not have enough equipment. We don't have enough equipment. We don't have enough in all the places that it needs to be. So that induces a sense of scarcity and panic. And for me, I'm always like, who's in charge of this? It feels like Mm -hmm. there's a vacuum of leadership generally. And, And so that will, what it will do is it floods our bodies with stress hormones. So normally we could like look at the news maybe, and then go off through our day. And we have interaction with the barista when we get our coffee, or we um, we're talking with somebody at work, or we have a, a tournament that night we're going to go to, or a game or a concert. We had all these other things that were signs that like, oh, living my life, I'm doing okay. And back then, Netflix was simply like, oh, I can rest and relax and watch Netflix. Now Netflix is nothing but a drug, right? Um, anyway, so that idea is that it was counterbalanced. But what's happening when you're home And you're not going anywhere and you don't have those human connections, even though they're subtle, right? Even just being near other people, um, that reduces our stress hormones because we're tribal creatures. We are, um, we get our safety cues from those around us. Um, We, you know, like you go to the grocery store and half the shelves are empty. There is a panic alarm that goes off in everyone's brain.
0: Hmm. Um, Like, not not illogical, but not... Uh, thought through it's like instinct instinctive and if I get what you're saying correctly when you get the stressful thing that is stressing you out and you think oh maybe the world is on fire and then you go out and you realize the barista is there and your friend is at work and you realize you get an opportunity to realize the word the world isn't actually on fire then it calms you down but now you're staying home you don't get those outside cues so you're staying on that level of stress of the world might be on fire. The world actually is on fire. Oh my God. And that right. continues throughout the day.
1: Right. So there's no, and and like you're saying, it's unconscious on so many levels. Now we're we're in a more conscious state because I mean, literally everyone on earth is in this thing together and mm. there is some awareness that's changed a little bit. So, so, so let me just briefly talk mm. about what happens with the flooding of these stress hormones, what it does to our body. So one of the stress hormones that gets released when we're stressed is called cortisol. And that builds up and gets dissipated as the stress is gone. And it's built for fight or flight, right? So tiger jumps out at you, you run, you make it safely into the village and the tiger stops and you are, your cortisol then can go down. You can go back to a, a homeostatic state. You are safe, And what happens with modern humans is we don't have tigers, but we have the news tigers, right? Or (laughs) reality tigers or whatever it might be. And for a lot of people, there's conflict in their own homes that they've been able to maybe not hyper-focus on because they could leave or they had to, I got to go to work or the kids are at school. And now you are face-to-face with some of those tigers in your your private personal family life. And so... That fight or flight cortisol situation is just on high release all the time, and what happens long term? And anyone who's ever hit the wall, burned out, um, they'll know what I'm talking about. You you maintain these level of high stress hormones for a period of time, and then it's your body has doesn't have like a like it, it gives you alarm bells, but most people ignore those. Usually it's you stop sleeping as well, or you know. Your eye starts twitching, right? Like we have a couple things that say, "Hey, this isn't good," and then it has a shut off, and it is your endocrine system just gives up and says, "Okay, you're you're now done," and you are exhausted, depressed. There's all sorts of um, ramifications from pushing yourself past that, and that's where we get into a little trouble with this home shelter at home situation. Is there isn't really respite necessarily anywhere that that is gonna come for us, we have to create it, which is what my goal today is to give everyone some things they can actually do at home to increase their sense of well being, reduce this cortisol flooding. And you've hit on my favorite one, which is to really, really reduce the news that you intake or the scary story limit, right? Because we're humans, we love to hear a scary story. We love to hear, we like, you know, but it should be once a summer at a camp. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, it's Not funny because, day. yeah, I, I don't watch the scary stories, but the, the news tigers, um, the reality tigers. But when you're talking about the effects, because I, I, maybe that's me, just me. But when you, you're talking about, you know, high stress levels, I feel like I, I get in my head the image of someone being like physically like tense and twitchy all the time. And I'm like, oh, that's not me. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm fine. And then you talk about, you know, maybe you sleep a little bit less well and you have like uh, uh, your highest, which is you said, stuff like that. And I realize, um, I'm, I think I've talked about this a little bit on the show. As much as I love my kid, I don't think I was built to be a parent. So I never quite know if I'm doing the right thing. And it's a little bit more stressful for me to um, try to, Interact with with my son, I think, than maybe other uh, people who are more naturally gifted for these things, and so that stress for me is a little bit higher. And now it's since it's constant, I'm getting into, I'm realizing that maybe I fit at least partly in that uh, description that you're giving because it's, uh you know, I, I am always on because I'm either working or taking care of the kid or sleeping. Like literally, I don't have any other time to wind down so i think it might apply to more people than uh we would have the image of for people who are stressed so
1: absolutely absolutely and that always being on thing is and this is what parents are experiencing worldwide because before we had a built-in daycare or we had a built-in even if it was just a babysitter that could come over for a couple hours or you know, we could go out and get a break there, there. This is full on It's parenting. Like no one's ever had to do before. I think maybe back when we just lived in little small towns, but then you had grandparents. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's the first time it's ever been this full on, uh, especially for all of us. And it is exhausting. Absolutely. So, so let's just talk about what you can do and we'll take your, your case in particular, but this, this absolutely can apply to other people. Um, whatever it might be. And, and here's one of the things, uh, you know, if there's any workaholics listening, you're going to realize, Oh, this strategy I've always used, which is to just work harder to Mm. deal with my feelings uh, maybe is limited. Or if you've lost (laughs) your job, which is, which is becoming a a common thing um, for a lot of people that your job, you know, you're an event planner for this company. Well, that is no longer a thing. Um, It may never come back. We don't know. We have, you know, and so the company lays you off. So you went from hard charging, workaholic, I'm not going to deal with other stuff in my life because I got this and this and this. Suddenly you have nothing. That can be a really scary experience to just be, you know, feel all your feelings. And so I think a lot of people, and this is true of humans, we don't love to feel all our feelings all at once. We, We can't handle it usually. And so we have all sorts of tricks we use to avoid feeling them. And a bunch of our tricks have been taken from us now, so we have what we can do at home. <laughs> and uh, but here's here's the antithesis to this and the, and the antidote to that, which um, is super powerful, but also understandable why we don't want to do it. We have no practice at this. So it's something we can practice, and that is to give yourself a mental break. So, like Patrick, you are dad all the time. You are working all the time. So when is it Patrick moment for? a break. Do you you have any built in anything yet? Or are we going to have to do that today?
0: I I think we (laughs) might have to do it today because the, the thing I would traditionally go to would be playing video games, I suppose. The issue I have, which is a great problem to have, I'm very lucky, but when I play video games now, it's kind of for work. And so uh, even when I try to relax, I start playing a game and I'm like, oh, I have to think about this and I have to, like, I get into work mode immediately. Mm. So I don't really have a Patrick time anymore. Okay. So mm.
1: this is what I want everyone to develop your Patrick time. Actually,
0: <laughs> actually, okay. But I, we might have something to work with. My real Patrick okay. time, and this is deep into personal stuff, people. Uh, and And it's very intimate, not in the way you think. Um, my personal time is actually lunch, which I stop everything. I go prepare something I really enjoy for food. There's like two dishes and I do one of the two and I get back into my office. I have a big TV because, you know, work, computer and, and consoles. And I put on a TV show, a TV series from Netflix or whatever and I have an hour when I'm just watching that, having food. And like, this is the one thing that I preserve, which makes me really happy. Um, so maybe that's something. That to is it with. right yeah, there. There you that's, go.
1: And more time than. And here's the thing. That's maybe all you're going to get. So mm. I want to say something that I want everyone to develop their Patrick lunch hour, whatever that <laughs> looks like. It, it, it's it's uh, a. May, and you, you have a couple elements that are really important. Well, you're French, so naturally enjoying your food has to be part of it, right? And it is the greatest gift French, the French have given us is to just, if we could all copy how you eat, just <laughs> enjoy the food, right? Because what it is, it's actually the, the technical term is mindfulness, that you are mindful of the moment you're in, right? You're really enjoying the food that you're in. You're watching the show and doing nothing else. That one singular activity, now granted you're kind of combining two, but for the most part, <laughs> a singular activity where you are fully present, even though that show takes you to a different world, that is where Netflix is good medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Netflix becomes bad medicine when it's you're avoiding all the other things in your life and you feel, you feel worse afterwards. So that's what I want to kind of get to. What makes you feel better and worse? And most people are pretty garbage at tuning into how they feel. Um, But if you stopped after your Patrick lunch, you have one hour, you've eaten your food and you've watched your show and you took just 30 seconds and just checked in with your body and how you feel and you let that really sink in, that hour will do everything you need it to do. Um, What we tend to do, though, is we put ourselves last on the list. We don't, we can't figure out how to find a a place to stick that time where we are fully present in that moment, but that is incredibly powerful and will cover most of the rest of your day. And so that's sort of ritualizing. And and this leads to this next point, which is really important is creating a new routine that includes sociality in a different way, but mainly is to bring meaning to your day. So, so Patrick, because you have worked from home and you kind of already have your rhythm, your work meaningfulness and what you have to accomplish, that probably hasn't changed much. Um, But for most people who have worked outside of their homes and now have to work at home, they're, they're facing a very different thing. It's like the, the meaningfulness of their work has shifted and they, Mm. they maybe even don't realize that it has. Um, And especially those who have, are no longer working or cannot do their work. Um, it's really tricky to find meaning in cleaning out your closet and staring at the wall. Yeah. Um, and so the the way to create meaning is to build an artificial schedule. So give me a sense of what your schedule looks like. We're just going to use you as the guinea pig for a second. All what right. does your sk- typical day look like?
0: Uh, wake up around 6 to 6.30 because I know the kid is going to wake up fairly <laughs> early after that. Um, get him to eat and then play for a couple of hours uh and then the workday starts and it's work 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 and with the break with the Patrick lunch hour which is so so important and then around 5:30 bath time food time and either me or my wife uh puts him to bed which takes for 30 to 45 minutes and then we have about an hour or two where we can chill again a little bit, the two of us together. And then it's bedtime because the thing starts again. And it's funny because you might think, you know, we go to bed at 10, some usually, and we wake up at 6. That's plenty of time to sleep. But not only does he often wake up a couple of times during the night, but also, uh, it, it for some reason, it's not as restful as it might be, which relates to what you were saying before, as it might be... Yes in other times.
1: So. Yes. And, and okay, so that's a great schedule. It's a very toddler, young child. Right. And
0: I'm sure many people are in that mode and even more stressed because they don't have as many people at home to help out. Yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that can feel in the best of times where there's no pandemic and you can get yourself out of the house whenever you need to, that can still feel very monotonous. And I think that's the the new norm for a lot of people has moved into toddler schedule time in the sense of it's the monotony of doing the same thing. Going to bed, waking up doing the same thing again Mm -hmm. and again. Oh, now it's the weekend. Okay, well I guess I'll just stay up a little later. You know, like there's there's not there's no variety.
0: The the weekend, one thing that I've noticed as well is that the weekend doesn't really feel like a weekend because obviously mm-hmm. you know for obvious reasons, but even more for me because i I'm working a little bit even I try to be good about this, but it's like as I was mentioning um my hobbies are my are my work, and I also have stuff that crops up when you're you know independent you you always get stuff have stuff to do so bottom line, weekends don't really feel feel even less like weekends, so it's just one continuous uh series of days where that feeling that you're talking about of well i wake up and do i do the same thing every day uh is a very strong feeling so i realized that the you know that thing that for one or two weeks you're like yay that's kind of funny we're going to be doing stuff like after you realize for three weeks i've actually been like it's been an endless string of days that look exactly the same uh, yeah. one like after the other that's when it's like oh well it's not that awesome after great. all great
1: right and this is where self uh, discipline maybe has to come in and and sort of enforcing an artificial structure to your life um, can really really be helpful it, it, it you have to distinguish when the weekend starts so no it, came, it it happened naturally before right Work, 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 work. Okay, now there's a farmer's market on a Saturday. That's different. Or we always yeah. go to a movie Saturday, Friday night or whatever. You know, so you, you, it used to just kind of occur. And then you would throw in some work to get some extra, you know, a step up on the next week or something. And now there is this reality that you have to draw lines in your life to create uh, some differences, which ultimately make things meaningful, Right. It's almost like with with no boundaries, everything's the same. And so normally we would have wished, oh, I would love to do this or that because it would sound like a break from the norm. And now the norm is just one long day. Hmm. And so how you break that up can really help. So let's brainstorm really quick. What would it look like to make a delineation between your work week and your weekend while you're (laughs) sheltering in place?
0: What do you think? I have no idea. I have like <laughs> you know, the thing is, I, it's this is an issue again, personal stuff. But it's an issue that I've had even before um, the the pandemic. So I, I, if I have an answer, if I had an answer, I would have had it already. I guess not working, um, which I work less on weekends. Of course, I'm not gonna you know pretend I, I do the same uh, work days. but. I, the the big irony is that I don't really have time to get out of the house, even though I could. And there's the forest right there. Most days I don't even get out. Um, so maybe that could be a thing, trying to go out of the house and, and doing stuff outside. But I don't have a specific idea. And I guess I'm in the majority here, as you were saying. We don't even really know what we feel and how to deal with it. So I, I'm not sure. Um, just not working, I suppose.
1: Okay, so th- so I w- here's my thought on that. is the not working, of course, is is supposed to be the difference between mm. a week and a weekend, right? Um, but even if you still want to get a couple hours in, it might be to time block it. So if you uh, have uh, young children, there's a common thing at least that goes around where I live about you know, to keep your sanity is you you block out your time every day. So it would be, an hour and a half or three hour blocks, you kind of pick how your toddler yeah. operates, right? But you have the the first hour and a half block is preparing for the day, it's eating, it's getting dressed, it's all those things, maybe exercising. And then the next block is a work block or the next block is a, you know, we're gonna learn to paint, you know, it depends on what, if yeah. this is for a kid or for yourself. And so you do this b- block by block and each block has a point, right? Um, I have some clients right now who are, you know, they're sheltering at home and they have two or three rooms that they have in their apartment or in their home and they plan their day time blocking based on the room. So they, they work in this room. They do nothing else in that room, but work so that the line is the door and then bedrooms only for the bedroom things. And then the TV room is only, it's like designated weekend and relaxed time. Like it would be normally if you had to do your other job or whatever. It's like you artificially create, you're using, instead of the outside world, you use your inside world and have some lines and and, and some consistency so that this room is for this reason and this time block is for this thing. So your your day is pretty time blocked already. Um, It would look more like your weekend that you start, let's say it's Friday night, you start with some kind of tradition like we're gonna we always watch our favorite blah blah on friday night and have popcorn you add some element that makes it different from other nights where you're watching tv um or saturday morning we take the kid on a deep dive into the forest and we we're gonna build a little fairy world with sticks and stuff ston- i don't know something i love finland and Sweden, so i could just <laughs> picture a fairy land anyway but like you you would have a reason that you were leaving, and you would have a time frame where you would do it, just like real life used to be, right? There was a time frame and you had a reason. So you make one up, and then you come home, and maybe it's or you or you make some special breakfast on Saturday or Sunday mornings. Mm. So there's something that breaks up why we do something and when we do something, and it has a time to do it and a reason to do it. Um, and so, as people are listening, they may be thinking, oh, I should do that. Here's how you do it. You sit down with pa- paper and a pen and a calendar and you just look at your days and start to block them in increments. So humans work best in hour and a half increments. So our sleep cycle is an hour and a half is one cycle of sleep. So typically at night, if you go to bed at 10, like you do and wake up at six, that in theory is great. If you take the kid out, you'd ha- you'd be well rested. <laughs> but <laughs> what it is is that it's these hour and a half windows. That's why if you sometimes wake up at the wrong part of a sleep cycle, you feel like you're going to die, like you're dead to the world because you have woken up in the wrong part of that hour and a half increment. And then wakeful hours, it's about a 90 minute um, block as well. We need to get up and move after 90 minutes. Typically, if we were in a sitting working situation, change of scenery every about 90 minutes, a snack, we have to go to the bathroom. So we're really built to focus and be on a ta- on a task for about 90 minutes max. So maybe think in blocking in those terms um, and take a piece of paper, write it down, block out your week, make sure your weekend looks different. Um, you know, a lot of people have done this who have those shifts that like maybe they work all weekend but they have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off. Like how did they do it? Well, they have to come up with their own artificial way to make it feel like a break in a weekend. Because yeah, what so we, we know is humans have to recover. And none of us are actually recovering. We are just going and going and going. And we have to recover, even if it's it's not physical recovery, it's psychological recovery.
0: So if I'm understanding correctly, the, the simple act of doing something different on the weekend breaks you out of the monotony and helps you uh, uh, recuperate a little bit, even if you yes. artificially create that different thing that you that you do yes
1: and think about it for a minute weekends are artificial creations anyway they always have been there's they <laughs> are made God up rested and so on sunday just, i don't yeah we're just making it up again right okay. another version of it
0: <laughs> mm. right 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 yeah no okay so even if you don't feel like like there's something you necessarily want to do like deciding even let's say you want to do something, you want to paint a room and you would do it like one hour every day of the week, it might be beneficial, I'm just making stuff up, but it might be beneficial to say, you know what, I'll leave it to Friday, Saturday, Sunday and do a couple or three hours on those days rather than distributing it to make every day exactly the same. Yes,
1: yes, mm. absolutely. So creating a difference, uh, even if it's a work Thing that could be different. Absolutely. I, th- I think the other piece too is going back to the Patrick lunches. This is <laughs> the most important part of this is that you absorb that break, right? That it, you're, you take it fully in, you're fully present because that's a different mind state than when you're working or taking care of kids. We're mostly not present through most of our lives. We tend to be thinking about the thing we have to do or regretting a thing we did or should have done. There's a uh, it's very difficult for us to be fully present in the mo- in the moment, but we know from research and many 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 meditators that those who can stay in the moment and have that the capacity are just better off on every measure because they can fully appreciate the life that they are currently living, and that's not an easy ask. And most of us have avoided the present moment with all sorts of busyness. Um, and that's what this sort of is a reckoning. I think for everyone of like, you, you got to look at your family straight in the face a little bit. You got to look at yourself. You know, th- this is an honest moment of where are things really at for me? Cause I can't go to the bar to escape this, or I can't, you know, get all the accolades at work, maybe in the same way that I used to. So a lot of the stuff is falling away and we're sort of down to this core, this core stuff. And to really nurture ourselves, we have to make sure we are we have to make sure we're taking care of ourselves because this cortisol stress cycle thing, it will not, um, it doesn't end well. It never does. It always pushes us to a physical limit or a mental limit and, you know, we can get in trouble.
0: Mm. So I guess I, I have a couple of questions there. The, the first one, which I'll ask you to answer a second, is c- could you tell us what happens when those cortisol levels don't go back down because we're t- talking a little bit in in theory there um but i'd love to know actually you know maybe it's going to be motivating to some people um to hear what happens and the second thing is it's so well and good to say you have to be in the moment that's something i struggle with very 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 much i i always my mind is thinking about three things at once and i'm sure many people do most people do probably but for me it's it's a, a, an actual condition <laughs> like i don't know if it's a medical yeah. one but something that i uh, uh, that i really struggle with i am never doing only one thing and i'm always thinking about everything else i i should be or want to be doing um so
1: so i have a question how yeah. can you do that do, how do you do your lunches then how how have you figured that out
0: that's a very good question. I guess I just focus on the TV show. Maybe that's why I, I love that moment so much.
1: Right. And and you don't actually have to try very hard, right? It no. It just sort of works. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and so you just proved you have the capacity to do one thing. Mm. <laughs> However, intentionally doing one thing is a different story, right? Because it, it means you have to quiet your mind enough. And the TV show helps you do that, right? But if you just put you in silent, you know... Silence somewhere and just said, okay, try to think about one thing. (laughs) Uh, So meditation
0: kind of, I've tried a little bit of meditation. So
1: meditation, and here's the thing about mindfulness meditation and mindfulness meditation is different from other types. There's obviously many different ways to, to go about this, but this is the one we have the most sort of research on and has been shown to be the most effective in short doses or short, you know, training versus some of the others require like a lot more practicing in 10 minutes a day of mindfulness meditation, you will notice a significant difference. So for example, I started, um, calm is my favorite app. There's plenty of them out there. Um, I don't pay for apps. That tells you a lot about me. I like, forget it. (laughs) Nothing is serving me here except calm is the only app that I've ever paid for. (laughs) Um, and I love it because I don't have time and I, I tested it out because I wanted to stop telling my clients to all do something I hadn't done. I was being a hypocrite. So I bought the app and I meditate every day for 10 minutes. And it's 10. And it stops at 10 minutes. It is not longer than that. And within about a week or two of doing this every day, I had multiple experiences that blew my mind. It was where I could focus on something. I didn't intentionally do it. I just was able to keep my mind completely on the thing I was doing. It just happened was awesome and really what it is. And so that was my personal experience, but the research backs this up, which is think of it as like a gym for your brain. You're never going to get good at meditating. People always think, oh, I'm bad at it. Yeah. Everyone's bad at it. It's because our minds are (laughs) monkeys and they're going to jump around. But if we train our minds to come back to our breath, which is what mindfulness mainly is, is the breath is the one thing we can Always come back to because it's the thing we always have to do. And so all you're doing is your mind wanders, you bring it back. Your mind wanders, you bring it back. You're just doing like push ups with your brain. And even just 10 minutes a day makes a big difference. And so that is a really powerful, very simple way to, to train your brain. And lots of people benefit. A lot of people do way more than 10 minutes, but I don't. And I still feel like there's a lot of benefits from a small amount. Um, in fact, my days just go way better. That's the other thing. If you start doing it in the morning, you your difference in your day is it's weird <laughs> mm. It's really helpful. So that is one thing is to train your brain to do this. Um, and then the other is as for others, they may just think they, they need permission to slow down or they need permission to not be the mom full-time and the worker full-time and, you know, to find space, Patrick time, sometimes they need permission. Um, and right now more than anything, people have to, find a way to give themselves space to repair mentally. So every day, think about dreaming for a second. So we we live our lives and then we dream at night. And when life is going pretty good, our dreams are kind of either boring or maybe enjoyable or not a big deal, right? Um, what's interesting is right now there is worldwide studies going on about dreams um, that will be fascinating to hear about in the end because suddenly we have the whole world having a similar experience and we have these dream researchers that are already in place to do this work. And what they're finding is because <clears throat> our lives are are now so small, right? Normally what happens is I move throughout my day and I, I run into this person or I'm at that store. I have a lot of information that my brain uses to do process the dreams at night. So you'll dream about a thing you saw that day. But when you're only home, <laughs> and it's the same walls and the same people <laughs> and the same stuff. Um, what people are finding, and this is worldwide, which is just so fascinating to me, is their dreams are getting, they're more vivid because there's more stress that's generally involved in our lives that is, comes out in dreams. That's how we process psychological dis- distress in our sleep. Um, and it's more random, right? And it's taking stuff from our past because we don't currently have visual cues to work with. We have, you know, you know, your girlfriend from... Eighth grade, <laughs> you have your boss from when you were 22, and you know, like, and then you're you're in a place you traveled once way back in the day, and you're you're the mixing and the pulling from our history is just it's really fascinating, and it's one way, and this is why sleep is is connected is um, depression, and so so you ask the question, what does burnout ultimately look like? The cortisol continuously, what happens? Well, the burnout occurs in a couple ways it affects our sleep dramatically um it'll affect our eating habits um we will feel we will feel, it's called anhedonia we feel pleasure in the things we normally find pleasure in and
0: you you so cut off for a second me, you were saying it's cold?
1: Oh, it's called anhedonia and hedon- hedonic pleasure is right. like you know good food and all that good stuff and anhedonia means you don't feel that you don't have the same desire or craving for those things that used to bring you joy. Um, and those things lead that it turns into sort of classic depression is what it looks like. Um, and so maybe there's no depression that runs in your family. Maybe you've never struggled with it before, but you're starting to feel some of the numbing effects of having this cortisol too much in your system, or you're Mm -hmm. feeling, uh, less, you know, motivated to do certain things. Your sleep is worse. Your eating is worse. So I think this is collectively what a lot of us are going through. Um, and so we have to really work hard to try to uh, repair, take breaks, create structure and meaning. And then this final thing, and I'd, I'd love to hear how you do this, is to connect socially in different ways. So what do you do, Patrick? And maybe it's just already built into your work life. And it but, is. but how are you connecting with
0: people? it's it that's exactly what it is i think my job is to an extent connecting with people that i don't meet physically so i i have always said you know half of my life is spent on the internet anyway and that's not just you know reading twitter although that's also part of it but it, uh, half of my friends are on the internet and we interact um together a lot already and that was the case before the um the pandemic so it's kind of as you said baked into my job um because i still have half of that even if i'm at home so i'm very lucky in that way but i guess yeah, others you're well will trained have to. for this yeah exactly
1: <laughs> right well and and i just want to throw out this this sort of crucial element to humanity's sort of well-being is social connection so if you think of any big calamity that's happened anywhere. It could be an earthquake or 9-11 is a great example of that, or, you know, some, some disaster or challenge that has occurred in the community. One of the most powerful ways that people overcome that is they come together, right? They are physically together. They are working They're You know, they're doing good. Their, their identity is that we're part of this and we are part of a group. We are part of um, the helpers and, you know, all that good stuff. We have the exact opposite where we have to be apart. So we have to artificially create some connectivity to get some of the benefits that we are built as humans to require. We require them. So you have yours kind of already set and ready to go. And maybe you reach out a little more or even, you know, create a couple more opportunities already within the system you have established, which is awesome. Lots of people may not have any of this. And so they need to find ways to connect, uh, virtually that they're not used to. So one thing I've seen going around that I think can be really helpful and also make a weekend feel like a weekend is to gather friends for an online game that, you know, say you're not a a gamer gamer and you've never done that before, but there's, you get on zoom and you're all playing some kind of card game at the same time or charades or, you know, it doesn't have to be, um, something you've always done. It can be, you know, brand new, but this way of just seeing their faces and laughing together and it's different from the rest of your other days so to find ways to to build in connections even a great one is to to contact people that are from your former lives that you just haven't talked to in a long time because they're all sitting at home too (laughs) you're never gonna really bug anyone no one's too busy for this i mean kind of but you know what i mean they're (laughs) hey, remember college? And they're just like, yeah, I was thinking about you. I, it's been really fascinating. I've received so many emails from former clients. I kept thinking I would get emails where they would say, oh no, I'm dying, this is so hard, and what can I do? Instead, I'm getting thank you emails. Just thank you for working with me. Just taking a minute out of their time mm. to remember I existed and I helped them once and to thank me. And it has been so heartwarming and amazing. So I know speaking as someone who has received that contact, how powerful that would be for you to reach out to someone in your life and thank them or maybe say sorry or, you know, find so some ways just, to do that.
0: Yeah, it's not just uh, let's have, you know, Thursday night beer because oh, it's fun. It's like it's actually important to see someone else's face to help again in that uh, the, the, the physical chemical things that happen to your body when you're um, in that monotonous routine.
1: Yes. And seeing someone's face specifically um, lights up parts of our brain that does not get lit in just audio or, you know, and it's not that that's not fine or that's okay, obviously, but there is more to seeing someone face to face than we fully can appreciate. Hmm. Um, And so the more you can do that, the better, more creative. I mean, there's so many ideas online. You just Google, how do I do some of this? right? People, yeah, I, th- I th- think it. most
0: people have thought about it, but, I, but but that's why I was insisting on that part. It's not, you know, m- I'm sure many people have done it or have thought about it or have a way they could do it, but it's not just about having fun. It's like it's, it's important to get through it to, <laughs> to do these kinds of things. It, it's not medicinal, I guess, but almost in a way.
1: Right. Absolutely. And then, and then there's one final thing I want to, that I think is amazing because I think it's happening maybe a little more naturally, but is also very, very well studied, which is, um, finding things you're thankful for. So like just increasing your gratitude for stuff. So, so the, the research is, uh, on this is rock solid, which is three, three things a day you write down that you're grateful for, every day. And they they need to be small. It needs to be like running water, the forest outside my door, you know, and then the next day it's got to be something different. Like, you know, I'm grateful for that people are funny and put their content online or whatever. You just, you, you find a moment. And this is similar to the Patrick lunch in the sense of you absorb and you, you sort of dive into this feeling of how grateful you are about something and something small. And what we found is your immune system's better, your outlook on everything is better. Like it has a, a big impact on mood and feelings of well-being. So if if you take nothing away from this hour conversation with Patrick, if you could do this and note the things you're grateful for every day, writing them it matters. It it's not simply I mean, saying them out loud is helpful. Um, but writing it down can also be it's really important, kind of cements it and and pay attention to that feeling. There are so many medical, physical benefits, psychological benefits, all these good things. Um, and there's so many easy ones to find, right? I mean, I, I've thought about what, you know, gathering somewhere. Like, I'm so grateful <laughs> that that may one day be a thing and how, <laughs> how much I took that for granted before, you know, or the technology that allows us to, to connect or work or do the things that, you know, even 20 years ago would be impossible, etc mm. um,
0: etc et yeah I, I, it's funny i watched a video i guess it's in the air um i don't know if you know the the youtube channel Courtskazad, which is very well done like mm. science uh vulgarization do you say that in english like popular popularizing of science anyway they were talking oh, about okay. this and the importance of being thankful and how much better the lives of the people who feel thankful and and I think one of the reactions of people listening might be, well, of course, some people have stuff to be thankful for. And it's important, I think, to note that this is not what it's about. Everyone has stuff to be thankful for. And within every, I don't know, socioeconomic category, the ones who are thankful for the stuff they have, and it's not about, you know, not going after the things you have to go after. It's a very different thing. But the ones who are thankful for the stuff that they can be thankful for Lee, live better life like it have it has as you were saying uh consequences on every part of your life so that's really interesting that you're mentioning it too i might have it's so easy to get down the spiral of negativity especially with 24 hours news cycles and like i have things bills to pay and i'm tired and i have this and that to do and it kind of overtakes your life and and when in reality there are many things that are like i'm thankful for antiviral research (laughs) modern medicine and stuff like that right
1: i am so thankful for the lady who is checking me out at the grocery store and just putting herself in that position every day like wow you know and here's the thing you're absolutely right i think i'm gonna just share a little secret i have had a number of clients in my in my years of working who are very wealthy and you would look at them on the outside and just assume that they were so lucky to have all the things that they had. Oh, I've never met anyone more miserable, ever. <laughs> and I wouldn't trade. I, and so I've often, you know, and and some of the happiest people I've ever known had so little. And I just think, we have it backwards. We all think, ah, I'd be different. I'd be grateful. I'd be happy <laughs> if I had my yacht. But there's, you know, really, really looking at what you have can change your whole day and say, you know, it, even if it's as simple as, running water or that plumbing was invented. I always think of that one like that's amazing <laughs> or electricity or, you know, you get really basic and you try this for a week and I promise your attitude will change. You, mm. the, we, we have a bit of what about, well, yeah, that's easy for you to say that it's sort of a competitive scarcity thing that we have. But when you can take in your own life and see the abundance of good that's in your own life, it changes how you feel and see everything. It's again, like we've, I've kind of the theme here is we train ourselves and we practice certain things and we get an outcome. So if I'm training myself in negativity and thinking everyone else is terrible and crucifying anyone who takes a, a misstep or, you know, whatever, then how I feel about me is harsh, right? If that's how I feel about everyone else. Mm. And so it's stopping and you remember you're home alone with yourself, and so it's this crazy moment in time where your relationship with yourself is suddenly really important and there's no way to hide from it. And, you know, so it's taking a hard look and that's tricky. But th- this is one exercise, this gratitude thing every day that really can help people. So I would mm. leave that as my main thing for everyone to try.
0: <laughs> Excellent. And and in, just in case someone is thinking about sending an email about, you know, some people don't have enough to eat obviously we're talking like if you have your basic needs taken care of then it's easier to start thinking about what you're thankful for if you if you're sleeping outside we're not i don't think and maybe it would improve even for those people but if you have if you you're homeless and you don't have enough food obviously that's not the case where we're saying oh just think that you're thankful for you know i don't know like the 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 Mattress you're sleeping on and everything will be fine. That's not what we're saying. So Right, yeah. right. Uh, all right. Well, thank you very much. It was uh, much more introspective than I thought it was going to be, but that's really <laughs> interesting. And hopefully uh, everyone listening will get at least one or two things, uh, you know, to take away and um, it, it help get through that uh, difficult moment in our collective history. So thank you very much, Wendy, for all of it. You're welcome you're welcome where would people go if they want more of uh those amazing uh that amazing wisdom you're dispensing
1: <laughs> ah that's nice i uh, well a couple places um therapy thursdays with an s.com you can email me through there and find some old content i've been terrible at updating um Also, I have started a program that is really fun if anyone's ever interested. In fact, it's so fun to do it right now because, oh man, it's a weird time, um, called Real Steps. So it's realsteps.org, R-E-A-L-S-T-E-P-S.org, and you can just sign up to get an email or or if you want to email me through there um, at admin at realsteps.org, and I can tell you more about it. It's basically just very incremental um psychological and physical changes for health. Um, I work with a nutritionist and we are building a, a pretty cool community there and figuring out how to to improve our psychological and physical well-being just slowly so it sticks rather than, you know, lose all the weight and be amazing in five <laughs> minutes. You know, it's the opposite of that. So you can find me in both those places. Um and and then also you can just find me at my house sitting around. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But don't go there. Just, just if you yeah, do, just don't. wave from the Takes light away, street. Yeah. Yes. All right. Very cool. Thank you very much, Wendy. Um, for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you want to see how the weather is insane in Finland in in spring, it's like literally it was covered in snow this morning. It was raining. It was snowing, and now it's it feels like summer. Like this is. And I'm, I'm staying here working, so I'm not enjoying any of it. It's criminal. Um, <laughs> and if you want to support the show, you can do so on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Phileas Club. Uh, please consider doing so if you enjoy the show, if you enjoy what we do. And that's about it. We will be back with, uh, I'm guessing, a regular episode, which will be about the virus, I suppose, again in a couple of weeks or so. So thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you then. Bye.